Have you noticed we've arrived at the last days? And so, um, you know, uh, as I just woke up this morning, uh, this thought keeps coming to me. Uh, and, I, and we're going to get into some things today. But do you remember the first group that came up out of Egypt, the children of Israel? They called upon the name of the Lord. They asked God. They said, remember your covenant with Abraham, with Isaac and Jacob. And God sent them a deliverer. Remember, and Moses came and Aaron came. I mean, you know, that God has remembered his covenant again. And he has, he has remembered his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And he sent us a deliverer. And his name is Jesus. How I many know we live in a new and better covenant established on better promises? But God is the same God. Now, y'all going to have to help me this morning. Y'all going to have to help me this morning. Y'all here? You're in the room. Are you here? And so listen to me. And so, you know, I woke up thinking, because uh, I've said this many times because it's true in the word, you know, the first group when they went in, it was everything that God promised them. It was everything. It's exactly what he said. I mean, you know, God always says what he means and he means what he says. And everybody say it was exactly it was exactly what God said. And then they carried out proof of what he said. And he had given them the promised land. Everybody say, he had given them. He wasn't about to give. He had given them. He already had given them. And then they went in, and what kept them out? Well, yes, their unbelief. But in their mind, it was walls. In their mind, it was giants. In their mind, it was the land will eat you. In their mind, it was, it was circumstances, it was things. Forty years later, 40 years later, Joshua, the youth pastor, Caleb, the children's pastor, they took a whole new generation. Now listen, when they went in, nothing had changed. Nothing. There are still walls. As a matter of fact, in 40 years, they might have been new and improved something or something. The giants may have gotten bigger and well more well-trained. There's a group of people that keep wandering by over there. And remember what Rahab said? We knew that God had given you this land. Same walls, same giants, same land that will eat you. What had changed? Only the people's faith. Listen to me and listen really good. Listen, Mark. Listen, everybody. You don't have to have circumstances to be perfect to walk in the complete abundance of God. And if you're waiting for everything to be perfect, you're going to be waiting till you get to heaven. Whether you don't like it or not, you've arrived at the last days. And in order for you to be happy, every, all the circumstances has to be changed. You're never going to be happy. You're never going to be content. You're going to start walking uh, in fear. You're going to start walking in what you see. And it's not going to just affect your demeanor, your, um, <clears throat> whether you're, you're full of joy, whether you're full of victory. It's going to begin to affect every part of your life. You cannot control and I cannot control what the God of this world does everywhere around us. But I can control and you can control what he does in your life and your family. Amen. 
and you and this is a message I've been doing this message I did it to my for my staff I've been doing it uh, to my uh, school ministry I've been doing it I've been doing this for a number of years but but the Lord's been giving me some more to talk to you about I want I want to start today because we're we're living in the last days and the Lord is coming for a glorious church Hallelujah. And you and I, we, we are ministers of reconciliation. And we've got what the world needs. Amen. And, and what the devil would love you to feel is hopeless and helpless. But you are neither one of those. You have a covenant with the Most High God. And, and see, what the, what the world and the devil would love for you to do is feel overwhelmed and feel like there's nothing you can do. Come on, there's more. That you, you, there's everything you can do. You and I know God. He's my father. He's your father. It doesn't matter what he's trying to assault you with personally or all around you. Listen, you can't live everybody else's life. And you have no control over everybody else's life. But you, what you've got to begin to understand is you have control over your life, your influence, your sphere of influence, and you have control over your family. You, you and I, make, listen to me, do not feel helpless and do not feel hopeless. It is a sign of unbelief. It is a, well, I'm overwhelmed. Quit it. Pastor Mark, I need you to encourage me today. I'm about to. Because I got some word That'll help you understand. Listen to me. Everybody say, the Lord is my shepherd. So let's go to it. Hallelujah. This is, this is better than a funeral psalm. Hallelujah. This is a living psalm. Psalms 23. Everybody say, the Lord is my shepherd. Come on, say, the Lord is my shepherd. Woo. But let's look at it. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Hallelujah. He makes me to lie down in green. Now, does he make everybody? No, just those that they are, he is their shepherd. He can't make everybody lie down. He can only make you. And I've watched him with some of his sheep. Some of them look more like goats than sheep. If you've ever been on a farm, a goat's a little harder to deal with than a sheep. They obey. They stay in the flock. Goats, they just do all, they eat all kinds of, can you, you, you would not believe what a goat can eat. They can eat cans. It's interesting. He makes me to lie down in brown pastures, green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my, what does the good shepherd do? He restores my soul. I am full of joy. I've got victory. I'm walking in love. I am happy. Hallelujah. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Yea, though I live on the earth and there's death all around me and Satan may be the God of this world, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. I will. What is this? Why? Because the Lord is my shepherd. Because the Lord is my shepherd, I will fear no evil. Come on, God's not giving you a spirit of fear, but a power and love and a sound mind. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Come on, the greater one is living on the inside of me. He may not be living on the inside of everybody else, but he's living on the inside of me. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Yea, though I walk through, I'm, come on, I'm walking through. There is no camping. There is no sightseeing here. We're getting through. I will fear no evil, for you are with me. 
Come on, God is with you, but greater than that, God is in you. God is in you. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. He's better than a big brother named Bubba. Hallelujah. He lives in you. God is for you. And if God is for you, who can be against you? He says, I will fear no evil. Everybody said, I will fear no evil. Hallelujah. For you, you are with me. Psalms 23, 4. You are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the very presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. Come on, in the middle, I just, I'm walking through the valley of the shadow of death. And while I'm doing it, my cup is running over. My cup is running over. And I don't know if it's a traveling table or what it is, but I'm sitting at a table right in the very presence of my enemies. No circumstances have to change. The wall, you see, God took care of the walls after they did what they were supposed to do. The walls weren't removed first, and then they conquered. The giants weren't uh, uh, disarmed before they were defeated. They were defeated as they walked by faith and did what God said. You, You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. Everybody, well, I'm believing God, all the circumstances will change. You believe wrong. Well, I just want everything to be at peace. Well, you're at peace. God's still God. Will these circumstances eventually change? Sure. But they don't have to change first for you to believe God. Circumstances where Satan is the God of this world, the things that he controls... Well, in order for me to feel at peace, I, I just need to see things different. We, we, we need to change. No, we don't need to change. You and I need to change. Because if we walk by the word, a thousand may fall on my side. You better believe it. Ten thousand at my right hand. But will not approach me in mine. It will not approach me in mine. It will not approach me in mine. Why? Because I'm sitting at a table in the very presence of my enemies. You and, Pastor, are we just supposed to ignore everything going on? Ignoring is not faith either. I'm not saying ignore nothing. I'm just saying you have to make, if you really want to help somebody, this is the time you need to be somebody full of joy, full of praise, full of a shout. You need to be able to believe God, pray to God, ask God to move and intervene, and you need to be a minister of reconciliation and share the hope that you have with everybody around you. In the presence of my enemies, he prepares a table before me. He anoints my head with oil. Everybody say, my cup, it's running over, running over, running over. Running over, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my very long life. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my very long life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord. When I'm done here, I'm just going to move and I'm going to dwell. I'm going to dwell here in the house of God and I'm going to dwell there in the house of God. How is this going to happen? How is this going to happen? Well, this is what I'm getting to. That, that was just to remind you. Everybody said, the Lord is my shepherd. And so I want you to think about that. We're gonna be, we're, I'm going to have you say that all day long. The Lord is my shepherd. Come on. I want, when I, you leave here, I want you to say, the Lord is my shepherd. When you get in your car, I want you to say, the Lord is my shepherd. How many know he's a good shepherd? He, he, don't, he don't lose sheep. And if you try to get away, he'll go find you. 
He don't lose sheep. He don't lose sheep. He don't lose sheep. He don't lose sheep. Hallelujah. He don't lose sheep. Hallelujah. But there's something about living in this last time. I've been preaching this subject for 30 plus years. Um, 32 years. This is one of the subjects that the Lord immediately had me uh, just really put in my heart. Um, I want to talk to you about being led by the Holy Ghost. You say, well, you know, I know how. Well, we're all, we're all growing. We're all, we all need greater revelation. And I want to help you because I, I feel like the Lord's given me some things to make it better because, for you to be at the right place at the wrong time, at the right, the right place at the right time. People sometimes are the right people at the wrong place. Sometimes um, they override things. And it's okay if you override um, uh, some things because maybe they're not life-threatening. But you and I need to get good at following the Holy Ghost. Are you born again? How do you know? How do you know? Well, you have a witness. 1 John 5.10 says his spirit bears witness with your spirit. Romans 8.16 says his spirit bears witness with your spirit. That same place you know you're born again is how you be led. And, and, and you and I need to be led through the valley of the shadow of death. We need to be led because we don't physically see the good shepherd, but the good shepherd lives in us, and the good shepherd guides us with his rod and his staff. He comforts us, and he guides us. What's that? His word. Sometimes his word is a rod. Sometimes his word is a staff. And it comforts us. It guides us. It corrects us. It leads us down the path of righteousness. It's a path of righteousness for his namesake. Uh, the Bible even says, with my mouth, I've kept me off of the path of the destroyer. There's a path of the righteous. There's a path of the destroyer. You, especially uh, individually, and you as a parent, determine what path you're on. If I had a teenager right now, I would make them be ablaze every Wednesday night. I don't care what they had going on and what I had to cancel to get them there. I'm as serious about that. I, I, if I had a child torch age and kinder church age, um, I would have them in church here every Sunday morning and every Wednesday night. They need to be taught the word of God. They don't just need a you. Church today is now going to become very essential for you to live. And, and, and teaching your children because you can't be with them morning, noon, and night. Making sure they know the voice of the Spirit. Making sure they know where to be and where not to be. Who to hang with, who to become friends with, and who not to become friends with. It's very essential right now that you and I understand this. But the good news is the Lord is not just my shepherd. The Lord was, is my daughter's shepherd. The Lord will be my grandchildren's shepherd. The Lord will be my great-great-grandchildren's shepherd. The Lord, the Lord, you know, unless Jesus come back and, and there is none of them. I don't, you know, but I'm just telling you that you have to make sure as a parent and as a grandparent that you're teaching that. There's no reason to be afraid. There's no reason to be dismayed. I have a hope in a living God, and I have a hope in someone. He's my good shepherd, and a good shepherd does something. He leads me. Come on, he leads me. I want to encourage you today. I want to strengthen you today because if you get this, then your fear will go. Your, your, your sadness will go. You, you got to understand, you can't change everything around you, but, but what, what the Lord wants to do for you and yours, and then you can be such a great influence. So this is what I've been doing. So I want you and I to get really good again, if you've ever been good at, 
or for the first time be good at letting the Holy Ghost tell you what to do. Now listen, the Holy Ghost is so many things. One of the things is he's the revelator of the word. He'll give you revelation. Now a lot of spirit-filled people, that's where they stop with the Holy Ghost. They, they, he explains the word to them. He revelates the word to them. How many know he wrote the word through holy men of old? And, he, and that's one of his jobs. He's a teacher. Aren't you grateful for the Holy Ghost, the teacher? And he will reveal truth to you. And you'll have those aha moments. Oh, that was good. And you'll understand it for the first time. And then as you walk with God, you thought you understood it, but then he'll peel something else back. And you'll go, oh, I thought I knew that, but I guess I didn't know. It's always do, he's always doing that. But he's also someone that can tell you where to be and where not to be. And this is what you and I have to get good at right now. If you and I, uh, uh, so I want to remind you of some things, and we're not going to take a long time with all this, but I want you to see how he's done it, and he's always done it. Now today, we have the Holy Ghost living on the inside of us. In the Old Covenant, there was the king, the priest, and the prophet, and we mostly see the Spirit of God, God himself, dealing and leading pro uh, the prophet especially, and the prophet then would speak to the king or, you know, or things like that. And so I want to remind you of some things. So first, let's look at Elijah. First Kings chapter 17. We're, we can look at so many things here, but we're just going to look at these. First Kings chapter 17, verse 3. 1 Kings 17, it says, and so God's talking to Elijah. He says, get thee hence and turn eastward. What is that? What is that? What is eastward? Westward is one. Northward is one. Southward. What, what is eastward? It's a direction. Everybody say direction. Hide yourself by the brook Cherith. What's, what's the brook Cherith? It's a place. Is it a specific place? Would any other place do? Tennessee River. No. Mississippi. Your favorite brook. No. So go east. It's interesting. So he told him to go east and go to the brook that is before, that's in a, a country, Jordan. So all this is instruction. It's specific instruction. Now, now listen to me. Where, where does faith begin? If he would have went anywhere else, could he have been in faith? What did the Spirit of God tell him to do? Go east. Go to the brook Cherith before Jordan. Now, later on, the brook began to dry. Remember what happened? What was happening? In that middle of that place. So in the middle of this place, this one's about provision. So twice a day, can you, can you see it? The, the ravens are flying in with steak and bread. I don't know this, where the salad with blue cheese dressing was. All I know is steak and bread coming in twice, hot twice a day. Can you just see it with the, the little ravens with their, their food service gloves on? Coming in twice a day. And then what happened? The brook dried up. Well, then, then let's look at the next thing. It says in verse number 9, 1 Kings 17, now rise. What is that? That's direction. Get up, get up, get up. So what do you got to do? You got to get up. See, a lot of times when God gives direction, we want to know the reason why. We want to know how it's going to work out. We need to see the whole picture. 
But that's not the way the Holy Ghost leads. I said that's not the holy way the Holy Ghost leads. Number one is get up. So what you got to do? You got to get up, get up, get up. And he said, get thee to Zarephath. Does he know where he's going? Can he go anywhere else and be in faith? Can he go anywhere else and be in faith? No. Where does he got to go? Zarephath. Everybody said, the Lord is my shepherd. So what is the Lord doing for him right now? He's shepherding him. He's guiding him. He's living a life. And really, at the beginning, he's on the run. He's on the run. Uh, somebody's after him. Somebody wants to take him out. Right? It's not a perfect world. It's not a perfect world. It's not a danger-free zone. Everything's not perfect. But in the middle of that, the Lord is his shepherd. He's guiding him, and he's telling him what to do. And in the middle of a drought, he's having steak and bread. And then when that one seems to be drying up, the brooks, because it's a drought, then the Lord says, go to Zarephath. What is that? Direction. He said, that belongs to Zidon, and dwell there. Dwell there. Go live there. Why? I commanded a woman, a widow woman to sustain thee. What is all that? That's direction. Let's look at Jesus himself. I'm not going to take a long time because I want to get into this because I want your faith to rise up that you can know where to be, know what to do, be in faith doing it no matter what in the world is going on around you. Come on. No matter what in the world is going on around you. Everybody say, the Lord is my shepherd. It's, come on, say, the Lord is my shepherd. Woo! What's he doing? He's leading me. Through the valley of the shadow of death. He's got a table before me. Amen. And so Jesus himself, after he got filled, listen to this, after he got filled with the Holy Ghost, you don't see an account before he got filled with the Holy Ghost, but after he got filled with the Holy Ghost. Are you filled with the Holy Ghost? Does the Spirit of God live in you? Are you baptizing the Holy Ghost in fire? Hallelujah. Come on. Everybody say, I'm led by the Spirit of God. Why? Because the Lord is my shepherd. Because the Lord is my shepherd. And this says there, and I, I don't want to, we won't go through them all, but in my, Matthew 4 1, Mark 1 12, and Luke 4 1, it says, Immediately the Spirit of God led Jesus into the wilderness. The wilderness is an exact place. You see, a lot of times when it comes to leading, people think there's, that the Lord doesn't do that today. That he may not tell you where to be and how to be. Why, you know, people ask all the time, why do bad things happen to good people? Well, I believe it's because good people don't know how to be led. Right? And so what we got to do? We got to make sure we know how to be led. Can you control everybody else? No. And if someone misses it and they happen to get to heaven a little early, we ain't going to be mad at them. Because we've all missed it ourselves. Right? But for right now, you and I need to go out. Why? Because I want to live a fear-free life. I want to do what I'm called to. Because listen, right now, people are going to start doing one of two things. They're going to either start to hunker down and live in fear. And they're not coming out until everything's perfect. Which will be till you hear a trumpet. It's the only way that's going to work. Or they're going to get careless and carefree, meaning I can't control anything, so I'm going to live and let live. That's wrong, too. Or we're going to let the Lord be the shepherd. Come on. Everybody say it again. The Lord is my shepherd. Woo, what's he doing? He's leading me through the valley of the shadow of death. And I don't have to be afraid of any evil. And while I'm walking, my cup is overflowing. It's running over. And I'm sitting at a table. 
I don't know, for me, I've always pictured that table moving. Because as I'm going through the valley of the shadow of death where the enemy is, I'm I'm just going to sit at the table and the Lord's going to guide me. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Well, so Jesus was led into the wilderness. Now let's look at this. I want you to begin to see this. Uh, Acts chapter 9. I want you to begin to have faith for the Lord having you at the right place at the right time. Number one, for provision. Number two, for spiritual what you need. Number three, for your, your, for your safety, um, for your blessing, for whatever that is. But I wanted you to see this morning that the Lord can be very specific on how he leads you and where he tells you to go and where he tells you not to go. He told Elijah, I need you to go to a brook. I need you, I need you to go east, not west. Not north, not, I need you to go east. And I need you to go to a brook called Cherith. Now when that's done, when that's over, because sometimes season change, then I need you to get up. I need you to get, I don't need you to be worried that the brook's drying up. I don't, I don't need you to be worried that there's no more ravens. I don't need you to be full of care about that because it's okay. I need you to get up. And now I need you to go to Zarephath. Because I've commanded a widow woman to take care of you. And listen, when you're in the will of God, it doesn't just bless you. It blesses everybody around you. Come on. Our families and friends ought to be grateful that you and I, they ought to be grateful that you're sold out to God. Because, see, the good things that happen to you are also going to bless them. Amen. And so here, uh, anybody remember a man named Saul? Remember he was persecuting the church. And then the Lord divinely interrupted. Everybody said, the Lord is my shepherd. He was even acting a fool, wasn't he? Acts chapter 9, verse 6. Uh, so, so who are you? Well, I'm Jesus, right? In verse 6. And he trembling and astonished said, Lord, what are you going to want me to do? And the Lord said to him, arise. Everybody say, get up. Yeah. See, when the Lord, see, isn't it interesting? The first thing he's going to tell you to do is let's get moving. I mean, my spiritual father, you say it this way, it's very difficult, if not impossible, for God to steer a parked bus. Everybody say, arise. So he said, get up, get up, get up, get up, all right? And he said, um, um, he said, arise. Jesus said, get up, go to the city. Is that specific? He said, go, go to the city. And what? Wait for further instruction. Well, no, give it to me now. Well, you ain't the Lord. Well, tell me why I can't go there today. Tell me why this person can't be my friend. Tell me why I shouldn't marry this person. Tell me why I shouldn't take that job. You ain't the boss. The Lord is your shepherd. Well, I need a reason. Arise, go to the city, and it'll be told you. That's your reason. Well, I need, I need more information. Well, we have to quit. The reason that people miss it, the reason I miss it, is because we want too much information. I, I need you to be clear about this. He was clear. Arise. He was clear. Go to the city. He was clear. Wait. Well, I don't have enough. What? You have arise. <laughs> you have go to the city, and you have wait. How many know that's plenty? But your flesh wants it all. Tell me how you're going to knock them walls down. Tell me how you're going to deal with those giants. 
Tell me, how are you going to keep that land from eating me up? He didn't offer any explanations for any of it. I remember Pastor Rhonda tells this story when she was on her first missionary journey to the great nation of India. And right before she went, I I don't know why I love this story. She's been telling it a lot lately. While she was there, they were getting ready to go, and she was all prepared. And the the leader of the trip began to tell stories about cat-sized rats. And I had some people ask her this weekend, are you exaggerating? She's like, no, the body was as big as a house cat. Not counting the tail. And, uh, and she, um, uh, you know, uh, being normal, doesn't want to hang out with cat-sized rats. You know, they're talking about them being in hotel rooms where you're sleeping. And you got to, you know, tuck your covers in and all that. Not the cat-sized rats there. But, you know, uh, you know and, and a lot of people over there feed them. Because they consider them holy. We kill them because we consider them unclean. We killed them on our farm. My daddy got out the shotgun. And we have cats for that. Hallelujah. But my point is, she went to the park at Ramah. And she began to talk to the Lord. And he, she said to him, you didn't tell me nothing about no cat-sized rats. And you know what he said to her? Go in peace. I am with you. He didn't promise her he's going to get rid of them all before she came. Because she's a child of the most high God. And I would like all the rats gone everywhere I go. Could we have a, could we have a, you know, a supernatural army from heaven go extinguish them so that I could freely walk about the country and never see one? What did he say to her? Go. Arise. Go in peace. I gotcha. But what about the rats? They'll be there. But one doesn't have to eat you or bite you, and you don't have to pet them or you don't have to feed them. You don't even have to stand around and look at them. And you can even take authority over them. Are you with me? Why do we want all the circumstances to change before we're happy? Because we're human. I know. I like everything to be at peace. But God didn't, he said, you'll be at peace. He didn't say everything around you would always be at peace. Everybody said, the Lord is my shepherd. What did he tell him to do? Well, he said, um, so, so go to the city. We've got to hurry up. Verse uh, 11. And the Lord said to him, so now this is Ananias. Remember, he's coming to him in a vision. He said, uh, the Lord said to him, arise. He's always telling everybody to get up off their blessed assurance. Everybody say, arise. Now, he said, go into the street, which is called straight. How I mean, you that's pretty specific. Can the Lord tell you what street to go to? Can he tell you what street to stay off of? Sure he can. Go to a street which is called straight and inquire in the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus, because behold, he prays. And then later goes on, Ananias said, I, 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 Lord, I've heard about him. And, and what did the Lord say? He basically said, go do what I said. Be at peace. You can't fix that circumstance. It's true. You know, he didn't say, well, that's true about him. He's an awful man. But, but he, he said, I need you to go. Everybody say, arise. And then what happened? Go to the street, which is called straight. Amen. Well, Acts chapter 10. Remember, Peter's having a vision up on the rooftop. 
I'm trying to build faith in you. The Lord can put you at the right place at the right time with the right people all the time. You have a perceiver on the inside of you. Your spirit is alive unto God. You can know where to be and where not to be. You don't have to live in fear. You don't have to live in anxiety. You don't have to be worried about you. You know, you teach your teenagers. You teach your children. You can know where to be and where not to be. You can know who to be with and who not to be with. You can know your future. Come on, hallelujah. So here in Acts chapter 10, verses 19 through 21, Acts chapter 10, 19 through 21, he's had this vision. It says, while Peter thought in the vision, the Spirit said unto him, behold, three men seek you. How many know that's pretty specific? Arise, everybody say, get up. Come on, he's always wanting you and me to do something. Get up. Arise. (laughs) Arise, therefore, go down and go with them, doubting nothing. Why? Because Peter's just like you and I. Who are you three dudes? Tell me all about your life, where where you come from. I've had trouble with people before. I'm not just going with anybody, but the Lord is trying to comfort him and say what? I sent them. Go with them. There's three of them. How many know that's specific? There's not four of them. There's not five of them. There is three of them, and three of them show up. The Lord can tell you specific things. Begin to believe God for it. You have a new and better covenant. Peter doesn't have anything more than you have. Paul doesn't have anything more than you have. Ananias doesn't have anything more than you have. I know these are things that are a spiritual context, but God cares about every part of your life because the Lord is your shepherd. He sent them. All right. Well, let's look at Acts chapter uh, 16. Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16, verse uh, 6. Now, this is talking about Paul. He's on his missionary journey. It says, verse 6, Now, when they had gone through Phrygia and the region of Galatia and were forbidden, what does that mean? Holy Ghost said no. Or play red light, green light. We got a red light on the inside. Y'all play that when you're little? Red light, green light. So what's the Holy Ghost given? A red light. When the red light comes in your heart, what does that mean you do? Well, tell me why, Lord. You know, I was going to do that. I'm really busy, and I've got to do this, and I've got to get this done. But you get a red light. What does the red light do? Now, not, not arise. Now he's saying, sit down. All right. He says, they were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word of God in Asia. Asia is, is one-third of modern Turkey. So, but the point is there that the Holy Ghost told them where not to go. Can the Holy Ghost tell you where not to go? You know, um, I, I'm just going to, in case I don't have time, I use this, um, I try to keep sharp by letting the Spirit of God tell me natural things. Um, you know, like uh, if, if something's out in a store, Lord, uh, where can I find it? Um, if I lose, lose something at my house, Lord, where is it? Well, he don't care about that. Well, then you don't know him very well because he does. And you know what? He knows exactly where it is. I had this friend. Uh, she's gone to heaven. Uh, her name was Christine, Mama Christine. That woman lost her car keys every other day. And, one, and, and she would always stop because, she I mean, she'd leave them everywhere, and we'd have to stop and wait. I mean, just everywhere. And, um, and she would always say, Holy Ghost, where are those? And she'd just be real quiet. And then she'd figure out. One time she lost them so much, I said, Lord, quit telling her where them things are. Make her be, you know, responsible. 
but he didn't listen to me. It kept her sharp. Stuff like that will keep you sharp. God will use natural things to keep you sharp in the spirit realm. And then the small stuff, if you're not good at the small stuff, you won't, even if you're trying to get you a big stuff, you won't believe it. Because you're, because you're not confident in following him. He'll work on you with, in other words, you're coming home from work and you get this inkling on the inside. Um, we're, you know, you're going to have spaghetti and meatballs. And, and on the inside, you feel like, I thought I did, but I don't have any ragu or whatever your favorite one is. Do you know what I would do if that inkling? I, I would go get some ragu. Well, I got home. You know, I've tried that. Well, don't try it. Live it. Just live it. Why? Because those little things like that will help you with the big stuff. It's not that he doesn't tell people the big stuff. It's that they're just not used to listening. They're just not used to listening. And let us not be those that are like, even with the little stuff, the Lord will show you things. And and it's like, oh, man, I knew that. Well, then just purpose in your heart to do better next time of following that little thing. Because when the big thing comes, you may not have a, oh, man, moment. It may cost you more. But this is cool. This is awesome that God wants to direct us. And he can tell us where not to go. Then verse 7, it says, And after they were come to Mysia, they essayed to go to Bethania, but the Spirit suffered them not. No, he can't go there either. Isn't it good to know the Holy Ghost knows where you ought to be and where you ought not to be? Well, it doesn't tell them why. Well, if he doesn't say why, that means you don't need to know why. Why do we always have to know why? Because we're, we're, we're human beings. We need to know the whole picture. But with God, it's called faith, and you don't always get to know the whole picture. And if he would stop and explain it to you anyway, you might not be able to figure it out. And you might mess it up, and I might mess it up. And they, passing by Mysia, came down to Troas. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. Therefore stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. And after they saw the vision immediately, we endeavored to go to Macedonia. So he said, Don't go here, don't go here, go here. Don't go here, don't go here, go here. Well, that's the preaching of the gospel. But... But God cares about every area of your life. What I want you to see is he gave specific instructions on a very regular basis. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. If you owned a business, I'd live this way. The Lord is my shepherd. He can tell me who to, who to deal with and who not to deal with. He can tell you, I got good at this. Um, when I was doing this, when I was even selling suits on a commission, I would know in my heart if they were there just messing around or they were going to buy something. And I was nice to everybody, and I showed everybody the same thing, but I worked a little harder on the ones on the inside that I knew that they were going to pay for the gas in my car. I don't mind looky-loos, but if you're not buying anything, I'll show you hallelujah. But if somebody over here and I sense in my heart they're going to buy something, I'm I'm going to go help them. The Lord will help you in every area of your life. Some of you didn't like that as much. He cares about every, you know, uh, you got one client that's going to buy, you know, a a $50 thing, but then you see somebody else walk in and they're about to lay $10,000 and you work on commission. You'd be like, hey, brother, come over here and you take care of this one. Do you want to, here, here's somebody. I'm going to go over here. Hallelujah. And then later they'll be like, what? 
I'll, I'll make this spiritual. I'll make this spiritual. You may not like me as much after this, but um, uh, we used to help in a, um, um, uh, 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 a big meeting up in Effingham, Illinois. Pastor Ron and I were in charge of the, um, the prayer room afterwards, and we would have a ton of people. Uh, they, would, they, want to get, they came, and they want to get filled with the Holy Ghost, so we were in charge of that. And so, I don't know, we'd have sometimes 20, 30 people in there. It was me, uh, Pastor Ron, and a lady named Vicki who had worked in a prayer room in Terre Haute with me before. And so we'd get them in there, and I was leading everything, and then I'd divide everybody up. And I would, like, divide them, and I would, like, I'll take you, 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 and you, and you come over here, and then, you know, Pastor Rhonda, you take this group, and Vicki, you take this group. And so um, I would go through, and I would lay hands on all mine, and they would be, and they would be having trouble over there. Well, that's because you're more anointed. No, it's because I'm more perceptive, and I was in charge. So I would pick all the ones that I knew were ready. I did. I did. And all mine would be. I wasn't more spiritual. I wasn't more anointed. My hands weren't greater than their hands. I just had been doing it a while, and I could sense who. You know, remember Paul? The man had faith to be healed, and he said, "Arise." It's perception. I knew it. Don't be mad at me. And then I would help them, because then they would look at me. <laughs> and then, so finally, one day, I had to confess. Many years later, I confessed to Vicki. Um, she goes, I knew there was something up. Hallelujah. Can you know where to do, where to go? How about Philip the evangelist? You remember him? He was in the middle of a citywide revival. You'd think the Lord would leave him, wouldn't you? But he said to him in Acts 8.26, Acts 8.26, he said, and the angel of the Lord said, arise. Everybody said, get up. See, when God's leading, what does he always say? Get up. It's time for me to lead you somewhere. Get up. Go towards the south. What is that? A direction. And unto the way that goes down from Jerusalem unto, and then he gives him a specific place. So I don't know if this was an ongoing thing. But he said, get up. And so what, this is what I had to imagine in my heart. Philip the evangelist had to do what? Okay, Lord, I'm ready. And he said, go south. I don't know if he started going south. And then as he went, then he said, let's go to Gaza. And then as he got there, well, he doesn't know what he's I just left a big citywide revival. And now I'm here in Gaza. What's up? And then, he, then, he, then what, what happened? What happened? Verse 29. Verse 20. Then the Spirit said, then the Spirit said, not an angel anymore, the Spirit said, go near, join yourself to that chariot. Why? He didn't tell him why. He didn't, you, got, you and I have to be so comfortable following the Holy Ghost that we don't need to know why. Because if you look, look at all my examples, was there any great explanation anytime? It was a what? Arise. Go this direction. Do this. That's how you live successful today in the last days. It's you trust the voice of God. You have a witness on the inside of you. Even Jesus was led, Mark chapter 2, verse 8, by the perception. You have a witness on the inside of you, right? And so he said, so he went near, and you know, how many know that this was the, uh, the Ethiopian, the treasure? And, and I believe from that one encounter, a, a continent was changed. Not a nation, a continent. 
Now, before we go, how do I get good at this? And this is where a lot of people miss it. Well, because they'll say, well, if you want to be led by the Spirit of God, it just takes time. It just takes you growing up. It takes you being mature. Wrong. Wrong. A newborn baby Christian can be just as easily led as someone who's been doing it 30 years. Because, see, if I have to learn his voice, then the devil will always tell me, you don't know it good enough yet. But that's not what the scripture says. Everybody say, the Lord is my shepherd. When did the Lord become your shepherd? When did he become your shepherd? When? When? When you were made righteous, when you were made holy, when you were sanctified. So many things happened at the new birth. We didn't, we didn't, you know, we should, I don't know if we should give everybody a list, right, when they get born again. Now he's your shepherd. You've been, you just got sanctified. You just got justified. You just got made righteous. You just been made holy. Wow. Man, that would just blow everybody out. I mean, all those things. I just came to miss hell. Hallelujah. But all those things happened, right? Hallelujah. All right, so John chapter 10, verse 3. So it's talking about um, it's talking about the shepherd. And in verse 3, just for time's sake, to him the porter opens, and the sheep hear his voice. Are, are you his sheep? Everybody said, the Lord is my shepherd. And, and what does it say about the sheep? It says they learn his voice. They hear it. Right? Right here it says they hear it. Everybody say, I hear his voice. Now, we're not looking for voices out here. We're looking for inward leadings, knowings, perceptions, right? And sometimes the Lord can speak and you can hear something in here, but we're not looking for voices. There are many voices in the world, none without signification. We're looking for knowings, leadings. Everybody say, I am his sheep. I hear his voice. It says he calls his own sheep by name. Isn't it good to know the Lord knows your name? And he leads them out. What is out? Out of trouble. Out of problems. Out of where they at. He leads them out. Verse 4. And he puts forth his own sheep. He goes before them. Everybody said, the Lord is my shepherd. And the sheep do what? The sheep do what? Everybody said, I follow the good shepherd. Then it says this, for they know his voice. Everybody say, I know his voice. You see, see, if, if you're trying to learn his voice, you're doing exactly, that's not what the scripture says. It says, I know it. Faith begins where the will of God is known. Hearing from God is a faith thing, not an experience thing. And if you start from experience, then you're going to put off what you need right now. Yes, you need experience, but your experience starts in faith. I know his voice. Why? Because I'm his sheep. I'm his sheep. I know his voice. Everybody say it again. The Lord is my good shepherd. I hear his voice. I know his voice. And I follow him. Because what's he going to say to you? He's going to say, arise. He's going to say, don't go here. He's going to say, go to this street called straight. What's he going to do to you? He's going to say, go to this brook. What's he going to do? He said, go to Zarephath. What's he going to do? He says, go east. What's he going to do? He's going to say, go south. What's he going to do? He's going to say, don't take 565 today. What's he going to say? He said, don't go to the Walmart on Highway 20. Go to the one up on 72. Why? Because I don't know. Uh, Maybe it's not going to be there. Maybe you need to run into somebody. What's he going to say to you? What's he going to do? I mean, if he doesn't say anything, then go where you want. Do what you want, but always, always aware of the leading of the Holy Ghost. Verse 5, and it says, a stranger's voice, 
There are many voices in this world. Don't be listening to strangers. Come on, we teach our children, don't don't talk to strangers. But I'm telling you all, children of God, to me, quit listening to the voice of strangers. If you hear a voice and it doesn't set well you, uh, you need to flee from it. Why? Because, see, that voice, that cadence, that what's in that voice doesn't set well with me. It may look right, it may sound right, but everything that glitters ain't gold. And, and, and so I don't, be, I don't need no stranger because a stranger is going to feed poison into me. And, and I know the voice of a stranger. I tell this story, trying to let you out of here. Uh, um, you know, I tell people all the time, if we're in a situation, like if we were in a situation and all the lights went out in here, kind of like that Wednesday night, and, and, and you can see. And, um, you know, I know this about my wife. My wife has always, no matter where we're at, she has figured the way out. She has, um, she has got the escape route um, if there's trouble. And so if you were all screaming at me, Pastor Mark, Pastor Mark, follow me this way, this way. Um, I appreciate each and every one of you, but I'll be listening for her. Because I trust her. Mark, come this way. Right? But even greater than that, I have a voice of one on the inside of me. He is my good shepherd. I, I hear his voice. I know his voice. I'll follow his voice and the voice of a stranger. So this is what I do. So what, how does faith come? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. If I've got a decision to make or, or even something is, it, it seems wrong in here, what do I do? I immediately begin to quote these scriptures. Why? I need faith in that, all right? Romans 8, 14, it says, As sons of God, we're led by the Spirit of God. Everybody said, the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. And what will he do? John 16, 13. John 16, 13 says he will show you things to come. You and I, we have an advantage. I said you and I, why? Because the Lord is my shepherd. He leads me. He leads me into green pastures. Even in all the mess right in the middle of this valley of the shadow of death, my God, the Holy Ghost, is leading me to green pastures and still waters. And notice that it's not even running water. It's still waters because sheep can't drink out of running water. They only drink out of still water. They only drink out of ponds. They don't drink out of rivers. He leads me to the place that I need. So, yes, provision is there. But also what? Protection is there. Also, the furthering of the plan of God is there. Also, whatever I might need for my life, my protection. Listen to me. Listen to me. Listen really careful because I know you understand. How many know your faith works? How many believe angels camp round about you and they protect you? Amen. How many know that God's not giving you a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind? The Lord is your shepherd. But listen to me. When he says, arise, go this direction because you sense danger, you can't. Now, now listen to the way I'm saying this, and I hope you all understand. You can't slap a faith confession on it and do what you want anyway. Because now you can only have faith for what he said. He told you, I, um, I need you to go, you know, you're planning a big old vacation. Somebody listen to me. You're planning a big old vacation. You're on vacation, and, and, and you're about to do something. And you get a sense in your heart like you ought not do it. We were in Alaska, and I was looking forward to this. She was really looking forward to this. We were going to go whitewater rafting. 
She was going to take, she's been before. Uh, my wife is quite the adventurer. She would jump out of a plane if I'd let her. But I don't think anybody should jump out of a perfectly good plane. And so uh, she would, but, you know, so whatever. Uh, but so we got a whitewater rafting. But we both woke up that day and we sensed that we shouldn't go. But we've been planning it. We paid for it. So what do you do? Well, there's a whitewater trip that we'll have to get next time. It's not worth it. Why would you override something like that? Well, because I paid for it. Well, you might pay for it with something else. I wonder how many times people might end up looking Jesus face to face. and He's like, what you doing here? I tried to tell you. And how many know? Maybe not. It probably, it's probably over. It probably doesn't. But Well, I'm going to live to whitewater raft another day. What if nothing were to happen? Well, I know the Lord better than that. Could have just been that I fell over and got all wet and looked like a big sissy baby and I'd be mad. I don't know. My manly, you know, whatever. I don't know. Who knows? Or I could have got dumped out and hit my head on a rock. But I'm still here. If I have to, I'll whitewater raft in heaven. I still won't jump out of a plane. Watch. One of the first things when I get there, we're going to be like free falling. Anyway. Um. You understand my point? But it's not just danger. It could be something good. I tell this story all the time, getting ready to go on a trip. I like a certain pair of shoes. It's insignificant. I've got an old pair. I meant to get a new pair. I'm packing. We got to go. Sense in my heart. Go to Kohl's. There's a pair there. So I'm done packing. I go. I look. And, you know, sometimes, you know, you feel, you, you know, you might think, well, I missed it. So I'm getting ready. I'm, there's nothing there. I'm getting ready to leave. And the Holy Ghost sense. I didn't, he didn't say. I sense. Go look in the sales rack on the back. So I went. And you know what? There was one pair. My size. Exact shoe. What was that? Well, the Lord just loves you, Pastor Mark. No, part of that is training. If I can follow that and it's a pair of shoes, then I can get confident. And when it's something else, then I can follow that. Arise. Go this way. Do that. Leave Illinois. Leave the cornfields. Go to, go to the cotton fields. Go start a church. Nobody comes. Stay here anyway. There's a piece of land. I try to buy, we try to buy pieces of land. People always buy it out from others. Then further destruction. There's an angel on your land. Quit, quit being concerned about it. I, I get off, go over to Sonic. I walk on this property. I sense an angel. I know this is our property. Someone still tried to buy it out from us. They couldn't this time because they had faith. This was ours. We had faith. It was ours. There's all kinds of things. H- have I arrived? <sighs> no. What I got to do? We got to keep after this. 
Because see, if you can get good at this and you can teach your teenagers and you can teach your children and you can teach your grandchildren and then you can even be sharp and be aware for those that are around you. 